But the one thing that really I would like to say to people is, should anyone in your family be disabled in any way, or you become disabled, take, go out and go out on a boardwalk, go out uh, in a park, go out and be in nature because it makes all the difference. Mm -hmm. And when Clyde, he takes his camera and he takes his walker and he zips along the boardwalk and he takes some great pictures. And into the water with it too. And he takes it into the water. He's gone through, I tell people, he takes (laughs) his walker where no man has taken a walker before. Welcome to Zestful Aging, where I speak with changemakers from all over the world who are contributing to the common good. Contributing to the common good in even the smallest of ways is proven to help us age with vitality and deep contentment. I'm your host, Nicole Christina, psychotherapist and fellow Zestful Ager. My goal is to share optimism about aging and introduce you to guests who will inspire you to live with zest. And to find out more about the podcast, which just won an Anthem Award, hop on over to ZestfulAging.com. And while you're there, sign up for my weekly email newsletter, The Insider, where you will get behind-the-scenes looks at our guests and other fun tidbits. And if you love the podcast, I'd be grateful if you shared it with your friends. Our music is courtesy of Judy Banker, a previous guest. Find out more at judybanker.com. And our technical director is Stephen Litweiler. What do you get when you mix two celebrated photographer artists who each love the environment and the beauty of the Everglades? who lived on a sailboat that Clyde made, mourned the death of their teenage son and faced the challenges and joys of aging together. Well, today we're gonna speak with Clyde Butcher and his wife, Nikki, both committed to saving the Everglades by demonstrating its beauty and uniqueness through their celebrated art. I had the opportunity to visit their beautiful Everglades gallery several weeks ago, and not many art galleries have gator warnings right next to the parking lot. I am so honored to have the opportunity to speak with both Clyde and Nikki Butcher today. I can, I can get, tell you that when he, I was 18 when he asked me to marry him. And I told him I was too young to get married. I wanted to have a life of adventure. I didn't want to settle down to a nine to five job. And mm-hmm. I, I just wanted adventure in my life. Mm-hmm. And he said, he said, don't worry about it. And our life has been one adventure after another. And some of those adventures have been fun and some have been difficult, but it has been one adventure after another. So when she complained, she complains, I said, you know, remember back then about many, many years ago? Yeah, you asked for it. <laughs> yeah, right. That's you. Oh. Yeah. So you were always an adventurous soul, Nikki, as an art. You know, I know you have been an artist since a kid, really. Well, I didn't really know what that meant, being adventurous. Um, I was raised in a very conservative family and um, 
I'm from Palo Alto, California, mm-hmm. and um, which I, they were liberal, but they were conservative in raising their children. Well, he's a, yeah. a, 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 an accountant. Yeah, he's tax a, accountant. Oh, well, there you go. Yeah, right. that's the least yeah. adventurous thing you can do. Yes. And so um, uh, I didn't really know what that meant. So it was a difficult, which it is for most people, the first few years are a matter of learning to adjust to the person you've married. And uh, which is why I always, I think people who live together before they get married have a better idea of what they're getting into when they get Mm. married. Mm. And um, that was the first few years were a big adjustment. But Love is something that's very hard to define. The, the answer to your question is, will always be a mystery. Well, uh, we, when I was talking to the President Carter, and I asked him, well, how long have you guys been married? How, mm. uh, how, long, how, how old was Rosalind? How old were mm-hmm. you? He said, Rosalind was 18. I was 21. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that maybe that period of time that was normal and and sometimes I think you need to um, have to kind of develop together because uh, when people have been doing their own thing on their own for so many years, and when they get try to get a couple together, they have their kind of in their ruts. Mm-hmm. And um, we, yeah. we developed think, our own rut. I think I, yeah. <laughs> a mutual rut. Right. Yes. Yes, I think today when the wife goes off, to work, the husband goes off to work, the wife comes home, she's got to cook dinner, get the kids to bed, do all that. And her husband isn't, well, at least in our generation, wasn't particularly participant in that. Their lives start going on different ruts. They actually do. Mm-hmm. And you don't even really know your husband or your wife until you retire. And by that time, you have both grown into two different worlds. Yes. And it's very hard to come back together and walk the same path. And, and although I'm sure the majority of people try, but it, it would be very hard because the wife could have even a wife who's a homemaker. Uh, her husband was out doing adventurous things in a business, you know, traveling to conferences and that sort of thing. Yeah. And, and she was stuck talking to the same people all the time. Mm-hmm. She never got outside of her own little thing. So then all of a sudden he wants to go do all this stuff and it's not, not her. So, and it's not him. And, and I think when you live two different lives, I think previously before this, a husband and a wife would be running their own farm. So they would be working together 24 seven to make it work. So as they aged, they would stay together because they had bonded over work. And basically, that's what we've done. We've been mm-hmm. self-employed and yeah. bonded over the ups and downs of having our own businesses. I think it's the other piece, of course, is that, and this is my husband is a retired wildlife biologist. So when we were recently down there, you know, he, we, our heads were, we're Northeasterners and upstate New Yorkers, but like we're so into the 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 wildlife and you know and that's just a deep connection and value we have we love birds of prey we love gardening all that stuff i don't you think there's got i know for the two of you you're so deeply invested 
in the life of the Everglades. Is that also part of the glue that keeps you together? Yeah, I think that uh, we both have a, a love of the environment and like to see it stick around for a while. <laughs> uh, yeah. And we both... Uh, really concerned about the way the, the world's going. It's not just, you know, the Everglades National Park or this or that. It's, it's uh, people keep forgetting the world's round, you know. Oh, everything, everything around the world's affecting everything. Uh, I think we both have that concept that we have to somehow work together. Well, we also came from California. California has been one of the most uh, at that time in 1980, during the era when we grew up in the 1960s and all, California established several environmental laws that were brand new to our country. And we had environmental groups all over California and all kinds of different kinds of them, uh, international groups and local groups. Came to Florida, and the only national group I could find in Florida was Audubon. That was yeah. it. I could mm-hmm. no other environmental group. And there might have been little ones here and there, but mm. it was a big shock because I was raised in a society that valued its environment and made laws to establish that and came to Florida. And I, I, couldn't, I couldn't believe, even today, the fact that you can tear down an entire forest and put houses up without leaving one tree is to me totally insanity. Well, that mm-hmm. I think, and, I think that, but that comes from my California heritage. Mm-hmm. So. I think a lot of things have happened in Florida, and there, there's been ups and downs. I think in the like late eighteen, like uh, eighty nine, ninety one, uh, it we had uh, different governors, different mm-hmm. uh, governors where they were more environmental. In fact. At that period of time, we spent more money on the environment than California did. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, but and we're not saying Democrat or Republican. Yeah. Both, both Democrats and Republicans were environmentalists. And I don't know what has happened since then that we've gone off the road on that. But um, it's, it's sad because I don't know how we're going to support the population that's coming here because we don't have enough water. It's amazing what's happening here as far as the uh, construction and new houses and new apartments. It's, it's uh, pretty scary. You know, it's, I heard a, a statistic that 900 people a day move to your state. And when I got off um, onto the throughway uh, off of uh, in the airport, I could not believe the traffic and and the construction. It was just like, you have to see it to believe it. Yeah. Well, Sarasota County, it's not that big a county. I think last year we added 60,000 people. And why, you know, it's not like we've just discovered Florida is a nice place to live. Why, how do we understand this massive uh, population influx? It's the baby boomers. Well, also, also it's taxes. Ah, it's the cheapest one of the cheaper states to live in. There's no state income tax. You don't have to. You don't have to worry about freezing. Hmm. I mean, I mean, you, you know, we get hot, but that you can survive heat. You can't survive freezing. I so, see. So you don't have to worry about electrical bills. 
That is true, except for your AC, which we don't need in upstate New York. Right. Well, you really don't need it here either. It's just convenient. Well, during mm-hmm. the summer. If you, if you have a house built right, you have good circulation. Mm. You're not moving too much. You can. Now, it depends on different parts of the state are different. Like, for instance, Orlando is probably 8 to 10 degrees warmer than it is here. I see. Down really? You're down yeah. in Venice? Yeah. yeah. But they mm-hmm. don't have they don't have the ocean breeze or the Gulf mm-hmm. breeze from the Gulf. Mm-hmm. The breeze helps drop our temperature. And then you get down to Big Cypress where a gallery is. Mm-hmm. It's actually the coolest place in Florida. I did not know that. Is that because of all of the the growth and the all the water and all the trees? I see. Let me define the coolest place in Florida. That's in the summer, yeah. not in the winter. I you know, see. I see. <laughs> it's the warmest place in the winter, the coolest place in the summer. I see. So one of, one of the things that I always wonder about for people who have a deep passion and investment is in the environment is how does one and how do you as a couple deal emotionally with the environmental challenges um, are there days that you just have to kind of think about something else or distract yourself because you know so intimately what is happening with climate change and the water? I mean, how do you get out of bed sometimes knowing the realities of of our world? Well, we just, I guess you do it by going out to the park, like going out in the environment and enjoying it. Well, it's lasted. Well, uh, what? I'm sorry to read that. Go ahead. Oh, okay. the, uh, the, the best thing anybody can do, because it's very frustrating to anybody who cares about the earth and their children's children's children, is to do what you can do to make a difference. And we have an electric car. We have solar. We have battery backup. Our solar charges our car. At the end of the year, we get $100 back from FP&L. So our car is costing us nothing than what it cost us to buy it. And um, our solar is free. Yeah, it's all free. And Mm -hmm. then if there's a hurricane or anything, we have, we still have a refrigerator. We still have television. We still have our computers. So there's, you know, that, that is a real plus. It was an investment, yes, but it has made a difference mm. in the overall picture. If everybody would try to do something that mm-hmm. makes a basic difference, then there would be change. And uh, so the only thing we can do is what we can do. Mm-hmm. And so that's one of the big things yeah. we've done. You focus on your own actions. Well, we also live in a 900-square-foot house. Mm-hmm. So our house is very small. There's only two of us. We certainly don't need a large house. Mm-hmm. And so um, that also means we don't use as much energy. Yeah. Well, I almost guarantee you that there's hardly any environmentalists that know what that means. That Say, say more, Chuck. I'm not sure I understand that know, that know what, what, what means. What well, being an environmentalist is. Oh, well, what we have met 
we always meet many, many, many people who, who are really care. They really say they care. But when we ask them what they're doing, they say, oh, we recycle. Well, excuse that's, me. That's nothing. <laughs> that. That's a fact. In fact, recycling is one of the worst things we ever came up with. It should have been reused. And so we should be reusing. Mm -hmm. It takes energy to recycle. Yeah, Correct. well, and it also, yeah, it, no matter what you recycle, you're going to have uh, trash. And so if we reuse it, at least it's, I mean, yeah. Uh, we have uh, people who come in, into the gallery and buy pictures that are probably multimillionaires and they're really environmentalists. And I say, well, how, how much uh, voltage do you have on solar on your house? Oh, we don't have any solar. Mm -hmm. I say, why? Well, because it costs too much. And then mm -hmm. the wife, when the wife says, oh, I don't like the way it looks in the roof. Mm -hmm. so, and they're driving a Yukon. Correct. So, so how do you not... Be, give them a smart answer back. How do you control yourself? I don't, I don't <laughs> control myself. You don't? No. I, I really put it to him. Really? Oh, yeah. Well, he's nice about it. He, he's, he tells them the truth in a, with a nice tone. He doesn't get snotty or anything. Mm -hmm. I suggest uh, if you don't like it on your house, you could set it up in your backyard. There's all kinds of ways you can put solar, uh, and you can also, you know, purchasing an electric car is uh, not that difficult. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's just it's just amazing. We've got the it's just it goes one thing after another, like this ethanol. You know mm -hmm. what ethanol is? Yes, right? I do. That's the most stupid thing we've ever done. Well, didn't it keep the corn farmers in business or give them um, some kind of nice kickbacks? Wouldn't it be nice that they rose, they rose, they raised food to eat instead mm -hmm. of doing this? You don't get, you get about okay, one gallon of ethanol is about one worth about one tenth of a gallon of gasoline. Mm -hmm. So it takes so much to make that ethanol. That it's really it, it might, it's probably backwards. It's probably mm -hmm. hurting more than it's helping. Mm -hmm. Probably takes a lot of water too um, to and, farm and, that corn and diesel. I see. Yeah, yeah. Are there any particular? I mean, some people are really worried about the birds, the panthers, the water table. Is there any particular focus that that you have together or individually that you really keep keep your eye on? Well, I a lot of people, you know, like their the pan. They want to save the panther. They want to save the, uh, birds. the birds. And they they ask me, well, what what, you, what, what do you want? To, what is your uh, uh, take on saving the birds and the panthers? And I said, I don't even care about saving them. And they get all confused. I said, I want to save where they live and where mm. they eat. They mm. don't have to worry about it. Mm. They know how to save themselves if you save the environment they live in. I see. So the much more macro about habitat versus collaring or, or bringing the cougars in and all of this. Right. Mm -hmm. so, but in, I just, you know, because we are Floridians, we are more concerned about certain things in Florida than we are nationwide. 
But one thing that nationwide is going to be a huge issue is water. Mm-hmm. And in Florida, our water is getting dirtier and dirtier and dirtier. And as it is in most of the United States. And we have got to have some national laws that curtail what we pour out into our water and what people can get away with putting into water. Because when we have red tide here, it is dangerous, mm-hmm. absolutely dangerous. And the thing that I don't understand is the state of Florida's one of the biggest incomes the state of Florida has because we do not have state tax is tourism. And why do people come to Florida? Well, Disney and all that, but they also come because they can go kayaking on clear water. Mm. They can go diving, they can go fishing, they can Mm. go to the beach, they can swim. And you can't do any of that without clean water. And why our government is just dismissing any kind of water problem is beyond me. Well, it's because they want to grow, they want to grow more houses. Uh, you grow more houses. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm going to get a house seat and put it in the right. dirt. Yeah, right. it's just they're, so. It's a short-sightedness yes, that you're, you're referring. Yeah, but that's we have that problem, and it may show up very strongly here before it does anywhere else because we're getting so overpopulated. But this is a problem that's happening across our country. And with the drought problems going on right uh, now, West it's, is terrible. It's, mm-hmm. their water problem is going to increase because not well, only is Florida. Yeah, they're going to move to Florida. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to increase because of the lack of rain. It's whatever is dirty is going to be more abundant in whatever water is left. There's no clean water to clean up the dirty water. And so this is going to happen clear across our country if we don't start paying attention to water. And see, then, yeah, go ahead, Chuck. See, we work together on this sort of stuff. You, you I, can, I can see that very clearly. I, you know, I'm wondering what you don't get asked. I know you get asked about the black and white and large format, going to digital. I know you've been asked, you've been on every documentary, Chuck, that there is to watch. And I'm just wondering, though, if there are things that you'd like to tell the audience that don't get asked, um, that you that you well, wish were, questions that were you wish were asked. Well, I'll tell you a question that uh, is asked an awful lot and I hate the answer. Uh, people ask, shouldn't we teach our children so they can help save the environment? And I say, no. The question should, how come we can't teach the old farts how, how to save the environment? <laughs> because we're the ones that have to save it. Uh, it'll be too late for the kids. It's too late. The kids can't do it. Do you know about the um, very powerful force called Third Act? No. Ever hear about this? Okay. So these are the old farts that are super successful and powerhouses, and they are led by this guy at Middlebury College resource, uh, I'm sorry, research science space, and they are bringing together people and saying, we have got to address 
you know, now we've got the money, we're baby boomers, we have got to leave this planet better than, um, you know, it is right now. It's called Third Act. You may really enjoy it because these people are smart and they are fierce. But I would be interested to ask them, the percentage of those people that belong to that, Mm. solar on their house. And I'll guarantee you probably maybe 5% are doing anything. And how big is their house? And how many cars do they have? Yeah. So it's consumption. People, You're talking about consumption. Yeah. The, the, these people are probably the best, biggest polluters. Well, no, I, don't, I wouldn't say that. Well, but. this guy is, you know, I don't know how much you know about Vermont, but there's a very clear environmental ethos there. And it's small house, solar. Oh, I have to tell you something about Vermont. Okay. Okay. Clyde and I people would call us hippies. We came to Florida. He had a beard. Nobody in Florida had beards. Birkenstocks. We were wearing Birkenstocks. That's what I'm wearing right now. <laughs> Nobody in Florida wore Birkenstocks. Okay. So we're, Clyde's okay. having a book, book published up in Vermont. Vermont. So we go up there and we cross the border into Vermont. And the first town we come to, all kinds of people have beards and all kinds of people Hi. have Birkenstocks. And I'm going, I said, the Clyde, home. my people, I found my people. <laughs> so, yes, I would They're love there. Yeah, that culture, the culture is very much about, you know, keeping the water cold for fly fishing, for trout and solar and, yeah, and, and sustainable stuff. Right. Well, and, they, and they elect Bernie. They did. They did indeed. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, anyway, yeah. I'm. I. I would love to spend time in Vermont because I think we would really, really enjoy the people there. And there's some beautiful photography to be taken up there. Sure. Um, yeah. uh, well, see, Clyde. Really. No, there's not. <laughs> no? no. No. Yes, there is. But no, Clyde, if you like people, takes people houses. Yes. No, Clyde. This is this is the thing. No. Clyde likes to take pictures of forests that are, if they aren't virgin, they're very close to it. I see. The vast majority of forests that we saw in Vermont had been cut down Two and times. regrown. Two yeah. Times. Over gotcha. and over. They were not. The prettiest trees were in people's yards. Yeah. Oh, boy. Oh. <laughs> imagine if we found and gone to a state park or something, we might yes. have seen old birds. You know about the Long Trail, the Vermont Long Trail? I mean, there's beauty in mountains, but it's certainly not Yosemite. So I, I, I hear that. I hear well, that. This, you know, this is the interesting thing. Um, so many photographers tell us that they, you know, they're going to go out west to photograph. And they, the, we found that the East Coast is absolutely beautiful, which I'm from California. And mm-hmm. frankly, most Californians believe there's really nothing worth photographing east of the Rockies. Mm-hmm. So, so we came out here and we were stunned, and not only with Florida, but with the East Coast. But the difference is you have to really have your eyes open on the East Coast because it's biological. Very little of it is geological. No, you went to the Delaware Water Gap. I saw. Yeah, but that that has that's a coastal thing, and you're going to get rocks and things coastal. like that. Not coastal. Oh, oh, I was thinking of uh, Vermont. Oh, in Vermont. No, no, no. Delaware Gap is, is, but yet yeah. the trees are not that old. Okay. Yeah. And um, 
and but it's not really geological as the West is geological. I see. So in one, so in one place it's old, and that's in South Carolina. It's called uh, Con 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 Congaree Congaree National Park. It's huh. Carolina. So it's granite doesn't really float your boat, huh? Because that's you well, know. I found some old granite. That's what I photographed in Vermont with some old granite. <laughs> okay. Okay. And you know, they're big into slate. That's where all the slate comes from. It was uh, on uh, Lake Champagne. Yep. That's right. It's beautiful. Also a polluted lake, by the way. But it is, it is beautiful. Um, I just, I don't want to take any more of your time. I know you are really busy. I guess the last question is, do you have any advice for folks who are on the other side of middle age who are facing the joys and challenges of aging? Any particular kind of philosophies you to hold as you, as we're all aging? I think it's much as possible get out into nature mm. and because that's that gives you a, a fresh <laughs> kind of a fresh look on life hug a tree mm. you ever hug uh, an old tree i actually have because i am a serious tree lover i'm about fractals i'm about the the chemicals i'm about the, the, the souls of them. I was in a period of very deep mourning, as I know you're familiar. And the only thing that helped was being in the trees. And what I decided to do was this ritual. I'm a knitter. I took yarn and I wrapped it around the trees. That's the only thing that helped. Wow, wonderful. But I can understand that. Because trees, if you really connect with... Uh, a tree or several mm. have some deeper connection that can be verbalized. And when you find that kind of connection, you know that there is something greater. When, when, and that we, helps. when I was photographing this one photograph in the Redwood Forest, uh, Nikki had to hold this fairly good sized limb out of the way for my picture for an hour and a half. Oh. And so I had, I hug a tree before, but I'd never held a tree and I would tell you after that time I was just it was like I was part of that tree it was like I, could, I knew exactly where all the roots went I knew oh. everything it was the most incredible experience I've ever had and um, it stayed with me for my life and so and what that really says to me is that the earth is more alive than we understand mm. it's more connected with itself more connected with other trees mm -hmm. it's it is it's upset with us too yeah and uh, it's just something that we do not seem to comprehend as human beings that we are part of the earth just as a tree is and just as we protect our family we should help a tree protect its family and so i and i don't know how to put that into words but we are all one we can do a pretty good this. job. Uh-huh. So you're talking about the awe is to yeah. really feel the the deep awe and the mystery. Is that am I is that right? Am I getting close? <laughs> yeah. 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 It's yeah. mysterious. Uh we do get it. Uh when we were out back behind the gallery doing a swamp walk with the uh, superintendent of uh 
at the park. And we came to this, this pretty old cypress. And I said, okay, we're going to hug this tree together. <laughs> I got the superintendent and he and I hugged this tree. And uh, uh, I think it helped him. <laughs> yeah, they, they have a hard time finding time to get out. So yeah, funny one, that, you know. It's one of the main pictures. I gave him a picture of Nicky took a picture and he hang that's one of the main pictures in his house, in his gallery, his house. Oh wow. <laughs> I, I, before we close, I would like to say something about growing older. Um Clyde had a stroke in 2017, and uh this has been another stage in our relationship. And the wonderful thing about Clyde is he uh, his stroke was on his right side. And what this meant was he could not photograph large format photo photography using uh, 8 by 10 or 11. Well, it was all kinds of reasons. Yeah. Why. And so he, it was the weight for one thing, is carrying that and around. And the coordination that it takes. So he took up digital. He did not stop photographing. But the one thing that really I would like to say to people is, should anyone in your family be disabled in any way, or you become disabled, take, go out and go out on a boardwalk, go out uh, in a park, go out and be in nature because it makes all the difference. Mm -hmm. And when Clyde, he takes his camera and he takes yeah. his walker and he zips along the boardwalk and he takes some well, into, great pictures. Into the water with it too. And he takes them to the water. He's gone through. I tell people he takes a, a walk, his walker where no man has taken a walker before. I am sure. So he, he still takes these dynamic pictures. He hasn't let the, the fact that he has a problem stop him from taking pictures, but he hasn't let it stop him from getting out in nature either. And we both come back so refreshed because some days are harder than others. But when we go out there and we're in nature, it, it makes us more positive people. And so, so please, anybody who's handicapped out yeah. there, please go out in nature with your spouse or your child or whatever. And don't, and be, enjoy. Emba don't be embarrassed about it. Somehow no. I used to get kind of embarrassed. Then I said, no, that's okay. That's what I, that's what I have to do to, to enjoy it. So mm -hmm. that's, that's what it is. Yeah. And you're being a role model for others. And I, I love the resiliency here of, of saying, okay, I know large format. I love large format, but I can no longer do it. So your choice is I either stop or I do something else. Right. Well, what, one of the things that's kept Nixie and I together a lot too, because when we were shooting large format, we would both have to carry a backpack. And I would carry the camera and some lenses and Nikki would carry the film. So she would get things out of my backpack to help me set, and I'd set the camera up. Then when I get ready, I'd go on her backpack and get the film out. So we were working, it took two of us to do it. So that was one thing that always kept us out there working together. You needed each other. Yeah. Yep. Well, I think more than one way. Yeah. Mm -hmm. people, people do need each other. Absolutely. Yeah. And through uh -huh. the joys and the sorrows, yeah. yeah, for sure. It has been such an honor, and I wish you could see me because I'm sort of beaming. Um, but we go out to 101 countries, um, and I am so excited to share this with my listeners. I will send you a link 
when it goes live or I'll send it to Teresa. And um, I just uh, wish you all the best. I'm actually going to play in the national senior games in a few weeks in Fort Lauderdale. What do you do? I'm a tennis player. Oh, congratulations. And then I'm going with Donna Khalil and I'm riding shotgun. She is, as you might know, uh, one of the python hunters and she is in her 60s. Wow. Um, And I am just riding shotgun. I am not going to be playing with the pythons. But I thought to myself, you talked about courage, Nikki, and I thought I'm a 60 year old woman. When am I going to have a chance ever to again to do that? Am I I'm not (laughs) excited. And my friends think I've completely turned the corner and they think I'm nuts. But I think to myself that I'll never have the chance to do that again. Well, see, this is this is the funny thing about it is pythons don't want anything to do with you. Yeah, good. I have. uh, I said to Clyde when I was around 50, I said, um, I bet you that when people get old, they try to top everybody. Uh, They you know, who else do you know who's going to be able to say I went out and (laughs) chased Python? So you topped. The next, the person, what is the next person going to say? Well, I went out and chased elephants or something. I, you know, so it is to me, I find it hysterical because what we as Americans are so fortunate to have been raised and lived in such a prosperous, healthy country. Mm -hmm. And we have done things that most people never get a chance to do. And it's part of our daily life. I go and to the so, grocery store. Yeah. So uh-huh. we look for something that's more challenging, more interesting, more exciting. So we can share it with our friends and it becomes something unique. And because we, what we think is unique is unusual for other countries. And so, um, and when you said that, I just, I, I was all I could do to keep from laughing because well, who else will you know that can do that? Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be so great. It's really neat to see people. When we take people out for a swamp walk, they just, they're just glowing after they get through. Yeah. Uh, President Carter and his wife, they, they just had a ball out there in the swamp with us. And the interesting thing with me with pythons is, uh, and I think they've begun doing this, so they can capture them. The female uh, lets off a scent, I believe it is. And male pythons come from miles to the female. If they would just set up. They're doing that. Uh, I know. They've just begun doing it. They set up and then pythons come and they capture the males. So to me, that's the kindest way. My thoughts aren't easy to find. No, they aren't. They're very hard. Well, apparently it's going to be in the middle of the night and it's going to be chilly. And, you know, she uses, of course, the lights to. Okay. Do you have, do you have my, okay. Yeah. You have my email. So Mm -hmm. tell me if you, when you get through, drop me an email and say, Mm -hmm. I saw a Python or never got to see one. Okay. Because a lot of python hunters, they know where they are, and they take tours out there. Well, I'm gonna, we really I'm gonna, believe. I'm gonna I'm gonna take off because I gotta go get a lens. Yeah, okay. I have to go get a new lens. I have a okay another project I'm working on. Okay, thank you so much. It was such a pleasure. Thank you, Nikki. <laughs> okay. Bye-bye. 
Thank you so much for joining us on Zestful Aging. If you like the podcast, please share it with some of your friends. If you think decluttering could help you feel better and you could use a little assistance with that, check out the online course I've developed with professional organizer and designer Carrie Luteran. It's called Too Much Stuff. And Too Much Stuff is different from other courses or articles or guidance you may have used. Up. We give you clear steps to deal with the clutter and the tools to help you face the overwhelming feelings and the emotions that come up when we're going through our clutter. And a lot of those emotions are just feeling anxious or guilty or just basically flooded with a lot of different confusing feelings. The course is really practical. It's realistic. The lessons are short and punchy, and they're really manageable. We're not trying to set you up for some long, exploratory, you know, super in-depth, uh, burdensome experience. We want something really helpful for you right now. We all need help with our anxiety. So, being surrounded by more calm and less chaos can really help. So now's a good time to clear out the clutter so we can focus on what's really important in our lives. So find out more at zestfulaging.com. You'll see more about this under the web courses tab. If you have any questions, just shoot me an email at zestfulaging at gmail.com. Thanks so much. And stay tuned next week for another interview with a fascinating and inspiring guest.